just wanted to welcome everyone who's visiting here today. Maybe this is your first time, second time, third time. Uh, if there's any questions we can ask or anything we can do, we certainly don't want you to leave here without needs being met in your life or maybe just uh, making connections with people. So we really try real hard to, to do that and that you'll feel the love of Jesus and really just kind of uh, feel at home. We, or we say feel at church, whatever. Amen. I love church. Love Sunday mornings. Uh, someone said that the church is like a cookie. It's mostly sweet and occasionally filled with nuts. Amen. I mean, come on, that's my kind of church right there. Amen, but we love that. Last week we kind of shared a little bit about family and, and uh, raising and teaching your kids uh, because we really believe that God wants us to live a, a real genuine faith and be family strong in our church. And we, we really want to encourage you to do that today. And so I just want to piggyback off that, talk a little bit more about marriage and, and not necessarily about raising kids, but about marriage. Uh, someone said recently, I heard this, that said that a relationship between a husband and wife is psychological. One is psycho, the other is logical. And all the arguments about who is who, right? Amen. So, but uh, I, I believe as we shared last week about kids and children teaching them, I believe one of the greatest things you can give your children as a parent or those that you're under your care is really kind of the, the gift of commitment. Commitment to a partner for the rest of your life. That There's something about that gift that we can give our kids, the gift of covenant and, and faithfulness and loyalty that lasts from generation to gener generation. How many uh, are in this room today because you saw parents who loved each other, maybe grandparents or aunts or uncles that had a really good marriage. They were really committed to one another. They were um, faithful to one another when committed. And so I want to talk to you this morning about your commitment. And um, I, I call this passion with promise, the power of commitment. And uh, if we'll turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 10 or click on your device and Mark chapter 10 starting in verse 6. Jesus was actually um, teaching and, and in the middle of his teaching um, he was uh, really kind of asked questions by the Pharisees and some lawyers and really became an accusation, but Jesus addressed this and talked about marriage and divorce and talked about our commitment to one another and, and the plan of God. But in verse 6 it says, Jesus said, from the very beginning, I'm reading out of the NIV, from the beginning of creation he made them male and female, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. For this reason God made them, male and female, to be a complementary pair. A man will leave behind his father and his mother and will be joined, or I like this translation says, glue to his wife amen how I many you know that's committed and the two shall be one flesh in Genesis chapter 2 we see that and so then they are no longer two people but they are now one flesh verse 9 therefore what God paired together what yoked together brought together joined together let no person separate don't let anybody be able to break this union or cause separation in this union. How I many you know marriage isn't about changing the other person to be more like you, it's about becoming one. And Jesus brings this out and he goes all the way back to the beginning, to God's plan of marriage. And one of the things I love about what Jesus teaches and what the Bible shows us is that it really reflects, marriage kind of reflects the covenant that we have with God. And how many know when in marriage it's a commitment, it's a lifelong commitment, it's a covenant, and a lot of people don't like to hear that because I, how can I be tied down my whole life to one person? I mean, I'm just so special, I need, to, I need to just have all these relationships, and sorry you're not Solomon these days. Amen, God didn't call you to be Solomon to have 700 wives and 400 concubines that I'm not working, but... Um, 
in this scripture, he deals with marriage and he also deals with uh, um, divorce and he, and he also deals with adultery and talks about those things. If you read on to verses 10 through 12, you'll see that he was explaining this to his disciples and later on questioned again by the Pharisees. And uh, the Bible records in verse 11, Jesus said, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. In verse 12, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Then in Matthew chapter 19, we see that the Pharisees were challenging Jesus and this is what they said in 19 verse 3 they tempted him by saying is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause um and the reason they were asking that question, or divorce her for any reason, the reason they were asking that question is because since the beginning, when God gave his commands and his pattern for marriage in Genesis chapter 1, then in Exodus chapter 20, we find that the Lord gives commandments about relationships and marriage to protect marriage. And all through that time, one of the things we found is that as we see uh, the, the, things, the law being uh, verbally um, passed down, and transcribed, we see that they began to change some things, especially during those 400 silent years. Uh, priests came along and Pharisees came along that said, well, God really didn't mean it that way. What, what we, he meant was this. Well, let's, let's change the rules a little bit because we got a situation here where, you know, a guy really doesn't like his wife and they're not getting along and he just wants to put her away. So let's write that up. Let's change the rules and the, and the law of, of marriage and, and how God set things up. Let's just change it a little bit, right? And so by the time they got to Jesus day in his time, you literally could divorce your wife for her sneezing at the table. Right? It got so ridiculous and so out of hand. And so Jesus, that's why you'll see him saying a lot of times, a new command I give to you. Or this command. In, in your law it says this, but I tell you this. Why? Because it had gotten so out of hand because we, we wanted to, they, you know, they wanted to change it because, well, I don't like her anymore. And we don't get along or I want another wife or I don't want another husband. I'm just going to move on. And they changed the word of God. How many know it doesn't work like that? You just can't change God's word to fit your feelings, fit your, your, your lifestyle, and you certainly can't change the word of God to accommodate culture, but that's what they had done at the time. That's why Jesus was so upset with the Pharisees, one of the reasons. And so Jesus is, is resetting this, and he's kind of talking about the real purpose of marriage. He said God created the male and female, and he brought them together, and he made them one. And then he begins to talk about and describe that, that uh, definition of becoming one. The two, there were two people, now they're one, and they're one flesh. He really describes commitment. He describes covenant. Aren't you glad that God has made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ? How many know God keeps his promise? Aren't you glad that God keeps his promise? But aren't you glad that God just doesn't keep his promise? He keeps it passionately. <laughs> Come on. And the covenant that we have with the Lord grows. That's why your relationship with the Lord gets better and better. And as the Bible talks about deep calls unto deep, or we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, right? We go from understanding. Why? Because it gets better because God designed it that a promise was to get stronger, that a promise was to get better. Amen, right? And so I want to encourage you as a married couple today, you might have, you know, said, yeah, I do years ago, but how is that passion with that promise? How is your passion, you know, really relating to that promise you made at the altar years ago? Amen. I want to encourage you in this. Anyways, if we look at these scriptures, Jesus goes on and he's talking about these things. And, you know, one of the things he makes clear is that God never intended that you could get out of marriage easily. <laughs> 
That, that's not, at the very, you go back to the very beginning, it wasn't like, I don't feel like it today. Well, that's not how God works. And so uh, we can see that's how God set it up. And God expects you to protect your marriage. That was something that the Ten Commandments came and did, is when it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Why, why was that written? Well, because God really has a lot of rules, and Christianity is based on rules. No, he said that so that marriage could be protected. Hello? He did it so that you could value your marriage and you can value the one you married and you could protect your marriage. So I believe that Jesus is really talking here about protecting your marriage. Don't let anybody bring your marriage, come, come between you, you two. Don't let anything come between it. Don't anything break it. Don't anything, uh, anybody, he says, any person uh, uh, break what God joined together. Amen. How many know that's up to us to protect our marriage? We've got to do that. And so it's part of our commitment to each other. And so just like God's covenant of relationship, again, your marriage should grow stronger. Because that's the way covenant is designed. Did you know that when you made that promise at the altar, it was like supposed to get better? Did you know that? Amen. Many people didn't realize that. But one of the things I realized, so becoming one, as we look at these scriptures and go on to something else, becoming one requires keeping passionate Keeping yourself passionate about your promise. Being passionate about your promise. That's what it means to become one. You'll become one not because, well, we have one account, because we have the same last name, or we do this, we do this, we live in the same house, we eat the same food, we do this. No, it's not about that. It's about just being passionate in this covenant that you made at the altar one day. Amen? And so that's what it's about. How many remember the day, if you're married, how many remember that day that you said, I do? Anybody? You know, some, some guys, it's like, and some people, the only way they remember is because it's on video. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I got married. I saw pictures of it one time, right? We, we remember those vows, you remember? And some of you just kind of like, kind of don't remember that day. You don't remember because once the preacher, if you're like me, kind of got married with all kind of traditional vows, one of the things that was like the very beginning of the ceremony, Dear, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. And then you blanked out. Like you went blank, right? And even during the vows, you were like, I, I'm th I, remember, I do remember thinking this. I was just staring at my wife, and, and here we were on, on the stage, and I'm like, oh, my word, this is, like, happening. And then all of a sudden, I heard this repeat after me. I'm like, what? And I was like, I hope I get this right. I don't want to mess this up. How many of you were there, right? Some of you had, you know, your little paper there, and you were trying to remember what you wanted to say. And those vows were so precious uh, at that time, and you were so passionate about it. And you meant that. And you were like, I'm here today. I'm not playing games. I'm really passionate about this person. I mean, I mean, I mean, the from the first time we saw each other, and we, we dated, and, and, and leading up to the, I couldn't wait for this day to happen. And then you're like, making that promise on that day was so exciting. How many remember that day right come on get those some of you guys here I heard some rust you know some you know and some cobwebs there but um, you know and you remember that time and that was a covenant of marriage that you made before the Lord and other people and you were like you basically said I promise you and in front of all these people that I'm going to keep this promise and you were passionate about that. And, and I believe that just like your, your love and your passion and your commitment from, from the day that you said your vows should grow. From that day till now, wherever you find yourself. Uh, last year we had uh, an exciting thing happen in our church. We had six couples that were in our church get married. And it was great. And they're all like still buzzing, you know, and everything. And it's really good and exciting. And, uh, you know, from that time on, you should, that, that should grow. So whether it's been six months or a year. Or, or 50 years or, or older or more, it should grow. It shouldn't be something that you're like, yeah, we got hitched, 
we're still together, we're just hanging in there. It should be something that your passion grows. And, and you know, why? Because I like this principle. If my promise was based on love at that time, it was based on love, right? Then my promise will grow because love is a fruit that grows. And so my promise was based on love. I said it because of love. back then you were like, I love this person. I mean, I love her. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, this is it, man. I'm so in love. That's all you did, right? Well, if it was based on love, then your promise should grow. It should get stronger. It should intensify. It should become uh, something that you see develop over the years. Like my commitment to you isn't something that I just said. It's something I'm living out and I'm really practicing. Anybody? All right. And so I believe that. And one of the, just a few things I want to share about commitment in marriage is a good marriage is built on the principles of commitment. A good marriage doesn't linger from the principles of commitment. If you get away from the principles of commitment, you probably won't have a good marriage. A good marriage thrives on that commitment that you made at that day, that time. A good marriage thrives on it. Just as it exists, it thrives on that commitment. And commitment is dedication, it's loyalty, it's faithfulness, it's, it's all the things that we think it is. It's, it's, it is that um, tied to one person, as the, as the one translation we read was glued to that person. Commitment is both a lifetime decision and a daily decision. And, and I believe that there's strength in commitment. How many believe that? How many believe that there's strength in commitment? And also, I, I've got to tell you right now, from what I read in the scriptures and also what I've experienced personally, what I've seen in other people's lives in my life over time, is that this, that God blesses commitment and faithfulness. God blesses that. You say, well, we don't have a lot of money or we don't, we're struggling right now. We're going through some things. We're dealing with some stuff in our marriage. Listen, God blesses commitment. When you're committed to that promise and that vow that you made, when you're committed to the covenant of marriage, God bless, there's a blessing there. How many want God's blessing? Well, you've got God's blessing if you stay committed and faithful to that vow that you gave, to that promise that you made in sickness and in health, till death do you part. And some of you are like, I'm just surviving until death. No, you've got to thrive in that commitment that you made. Amen. That I'm going to cherish you and honor you and I'm going to do this for you. And some of you who wrote your own vows, I don't know if you still have those, but you need to get those out and just go over those again and say, am I doing this? Am I keeping this? Because I promised this person the world, you know, back then. And you meant it that day. You need to mean it right now. Amen. And some of the things that uh, over time I, I realized that um, I've even said and talked about the institution of marriage. How many have heard that, right? We talk about God instituted marriage and we've got the institution of marriage. We like to think of it that way. But, you know, some people take it so literal and they get carried away that they become institutionalized. <laughs> know people like that yeah it's like it's like they become a part of a system of marriage rather than the covenant of marriage and they just go through the motions and you become institutionalized if you know what I'm talking about you realize it's not a fun place to be it's not life it's not joy it's just we're just there we're just together and most people really are, are kind of keeping this commitment but just hanging on Amen. I'm just hanging on. I'm, 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 I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm just hanging on. How many of you know these couples? They're just like, just, and you know, it's really not about, they're just committed to each other. They're stuck. <laughs> That's what it is. They're just stuck. They, they can't get out of that place. They, they can't improve. It doesn't get better. It's mediocre. It's boring. There's this obligation, this duty that I'm committed to. How many know that doesn't sound like fun? 
That's being institutionalized. Let me show you a very famous picture. When you think of people who are not having fun in their marriage and they're just really kind of going through the motions. Everybody remembers this picture. This is a 1930 painting from Grant Wood, a very famous painting. It's considered The Farmer and His Wife. And actually, originally it was called The Farmer and His Daughter. Amen. But we know it as The Farmer and His Wife. They actually have a 25-foot statue in Iowa of this couple. And you can go take your picture. How many know some people like this? When it comes to, how's your marriage? How long have you been married? Right? How many know that, right? How many have ever, let me just go through this real quick. Okay, do you ever see the real couple? Okay, do you ever see the real couple that they picked, painted this picture on? Do they look even happy at all? I mean, it's just like, it's easy to picture this. Now, I know there's a lot to this painting, but let me just say, go to the third picture. This, we, if we put this in the context of today, that's kind of what a lot of people look like in the marriage. How long have you guys been married? Do you guys enjoy being married? Are you guys having fun? That's what we get right there. All right, amen. Now, I, put, I understand about this painting and, and the history behind it. I get it. So the woman that you saw was actually the sister of the artist, and the old, older guy there was the, the family doctor of the artist, so they weren't even married. So, but you get the, the idea, right? So how many know that's kind of how a lot of people are when it comes to commitment? I'm bound to this thing. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm still in this thing. I, you know, so no wonder when they see you, they call it the ball and chain because you're institutionalized. You're in it for life and you can't get out and you're just making the best of it. But how many know God doesn't want your marriage to be like that? God designed that when you said that promise at the very beginning and the passion that you had, that it grows and you stay passionate in your promise, that you stay passionate in your commitment to one another. There's a couple words I want to bring out. One of them is a word that comes from, it's a word that is in physics, it's entropy. I don't know if you ever heard this word, and a lot of times it's described in nature and the way things happen in nature. There's entropy, and then there's uh, the word intensified. The difference is, is that entropy has to do with everything has a tendency to deteriorate. Without the energy and attention, things will deteriorate. Without any focus or, or any type of development, uh, things will die, they'll shrivel up, they'll deteriorate into nothingness, and this is called entropy, and then there's the other uh, kind of opposite of that would be to intensify, there's something that gets stronger over time, something that continues to grow stronger, that intensifies, whether it's through speed or time or whatever, it intensifies. How many know God doesn't want your love to deteriorate, he wants it to intensify? Amen? Come on. And so without God, things can deteriorate. But building your marriage God's way intensifies, and the Bible even uses the word multiplies. Isn't that good? It uses that word, be, be fruitful and multiply. We kind of know what that means biologically, but I mean, I think about it. That's what God wants your marriage to do. He wants it to multiply. So it intensifies. It gets stronger over time. It doesn't get weaker. It doesn't get, you know, it doesn't kind of deteriorate or erode, but it gets stronger over time. Amen? How many believe that? That you want your marriage to get stronger. But there's something that we face, and Jesus addressed it. And in the scriptures that we read, and Paul addresses it with the Corinthian church. And he talks about it, and talks about infidelity, talks about adultery. And he uses this word. This is what breaks a marriage. This is the breach that comes between two people that, that really is damaging and destroying. And, but unfortunately, unfortunately, I believe, me personally, I believe that I have seen uh, this um, in our culture kind of like explode. 
Um, I don't know about you, but it seems that it's commonplace for people to have a fling or a side chick or it's just natural or it's going to happen. You should do it. You should have an affair. You should. Everybody does it. It's, it's more pervasive in our music and movies and, and uh, social media that it's okay. It's, it's just something that happens and you can't be bound to one person all your life. You can't expect one person to, to be physically involved, intimately involved, or emotionally involved in one person I mean I mean that's just not who we are but how many have seen that on the rise in our culture especially in the last 20 years but even even recently during COVID right um, they said that things have, uh, there's all kinds of stuff, but one of the things that really kind of skyrocketed um, even before, but since, was, was uh, you know, people having affairs, infidelity, and the rates are ridiculous in this country. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like it's a big deal anymore to be committed to one person. And, and you can do research, and I, I believe there's, uh, it depends on what, uh, what website you go to or what, what uh, um, organization you follow that does research. But the one I saw that caught my attention found that up to 46% of married couples have, cheat, have admitted to cheating one way or the other. And so whether it was just an emotional attachment or whether it was physical, um, they admitted to uh, having an affair of some sort or cheating of some sort. And it's amazing that the, the number keeps growing uh, of, of, of the age group that's having affairs. Yes, it's among women and among, but especially among men. And it used to be where, where it was in their, the you know, 40s and, and it was just that midlife crisis as they called it. But you know, actually the numbers that are highest among people that are cheating on their spouse is men in their 60s. So it continues to, to grow and it continues to get uh, crazy. And, and what happens is, is the, the, the level of respect that's broken and trust that's broken and the lust issues that are involved um, damage people. It damages marriages and children. And, and, um, it, it, and, and yet our society makes light of it. And they think, you know what, we're going to encourage people to have affairs. I think we, and in fact, uh, during COVID, there was a there, the site, and one research found that this one site that is specifically for married people to have affairs uh, exploded. I mean, they just kind of like, in fact, they recorded that there was 1,500 people every day joined the site. Wow, this is a site for married people to cheat. Think about it. And now, of course, you're talking about virtual affairs, your online connections. These are these quick, short, low commitment, high emotional relationships that are online, you know, and, and some of it is innocent. Some of it is starts out innocent. Some of it, you know, is done um, on, on purpose. And so I, I think it's important to understand that when we obey God's word, we actually go against what we see in culture. And so we have to say that God's way has to be the best way because the way that we follow culture, we follow our feelings or emotions or whatever, it's going to lead in, in brokenness. It's going to lead in, in uh, what, what the Bible calls this breaking asunder, this brokenness. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we want to do it God's way because you build trust, you build respect, you, build, uh, you deal with lust, you, you, put, you put passion in its right perspective when you do it God's way. How many believe that? Amen. And so today, with, in, in today's busyness and increased screen time, couples really find it harder and harder and they spend less and less time together, meaningful time together. Think about it. And it's in our culture so much today. And some people, you know, we, we sign, if you read, you know, kind of read the statistics and the reasons for it, they, they cheat for revenge, they do it for attention, they're, some of them just do it because they're uh, out, you know, and they do it under an influence of a substance. And 
or a weekend thing and it just you know and 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 for our culture today it's not even that it's not even about loving somebody or feeling that you are attracted to them it's just it's just out of sheer lust um, for the most part for a lot of people. And so there's this personal sexual desire that is there and, and, and all these things, this overwhelming need and desire that they have, this desperation that people are, are into and looking for companionship even though they're married. And, 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 and so you see this, but the top reason that it's given over across the board, which we know, but the top reason is these emotional needs are not being met. That's why people say that they have affairs or they cheat or they commit adulteries because there's just almost all the time people have said over and over again affairs are emotional. They start out as emotional affairs they, because somebody's needs aren't being met or they're not, not being something. And while the husband feels like, well, I'm putting food on the table, I'm working hard, I'm trying to do this job and this business, it's taking me from the home, but I still you know, care about my family, that's not what's important. What's important is that there are emotional needs being met. There is that, come on, that's part of your commitment and your covenant of marriage that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you're valued and appreciated and heard and listened to and, and make sure that your needs are met at home. Come on, somebody, amen. And that's what it's about. And so we see that, and I'm not going to get into this because, uh, you know, there's so many things you could say, but really it starts out as emotional affairs and there's this time that you spend with someone through work or, or conversations online or maybe just searching online. I know that there's been many people that have, um, have started out just, just searching for an old friend an old boyfriend, an old girlfriend, and you hook up on, on get on, you know, hey, let's just have a cup of coffee, let's go out, let's, you know, let's talk about old times, and, and, and next thing you know, one thing after another, they find themselves in an affair, they leave the family, and, and there's this brokenness, as the Bible describes, and, and it, it, it's, it, again, could happen through innocent, or could through, happen intentionally, um, but really, it, it, we need to make sure that we are really meeting each other's needs, I think that's important, right, amen, part of our commitment, but, but it's so, uh, uh, really um, um, kind of uh, uh, prevalent in our society that um, nobody really seems to have an answer. Nobody really seems to have a cure for it. Amen. And so what happens is, is that whether the, the woman needs to be heard and she needs a, attention or the guy needs to be respected and appreciated, it doesn't matter. There's just this brokenness that we see. And how many know if the Bible talks about it and Jesus warned us about it, we need to pay attention in our marriage. You can't say that you're above, I would never do that, I would never do that. If you don't pay attention, and if you don't do things God's way, and if you just feel like, I can live only any old way, and I don't really have to do this, this, and this, X, Y, and Z, I can have, and I'll have a great marriage, you're mistaken. You have to be not just passionate about your promise, but you've got to be committed to building on that promise. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to like, you know, I can spend days uh, from home or hours uh, at the office and pour my life into my job and then somehow my marriage is going to be good and my kids are going to follow the Lord. How many know it doesn't work that way? You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to grow your commitment. And so I want to encourage you in closing about growing your commitment. Amen. The two, two words really that I think about when it comes to growing your commitment are building and protecting. Building and protecting. I'm going to build my, com- my commitment. I'm going to protect my commitment. Amen. How many know the devil hates your commitment that you made to each other? Hates the covenant. Can't stand it. Fights against it. 
I mean, he would love to see a brokenness. He would like to see division. He would love to see disunity in your home. He would love to see you fight and carry on. He just feels comfortable that way because if he knows that if you can get together, if you can walk in peace and unity, you'll be incredibly strong, powerful couple that will raise kids godly in a godly way. Come on. And then you'll impact other people, affect your generation. You'll pass that down to generation to generation, and then he's in trouble, right? And so the devil knows that and the enemy is fighting against us. But also, as I just said, there's a whole society and culture that don't love God, don't know his ways, and they're fighting your marriage. Whether they are doing it intentionally or not, the commercials, the music, the movies, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like bring, bringing this brokenness into your marriage. Like, hey, maybe you should or maybe you should think about it. Yeah, you deserve somebody better. Come on. I mean, no, there's fighting against your marriage. So you got to build it and protect it. You just can't protect it. You've got to build it. You can't just build it. You have to protect it. Amen? And so it's the two together. And how do we do that? I'm not going to get into a lot of these, which uh, I know my dad has notes on these three things, and they're just so good, but, and we could spend so much time on it. But number one, we do it through our thoughts, our imaginations. We do it through our words. We do it through our actions and all those things. But let me just throw a couple things out about being, uh, growing in your commitment to one another. I, I believe that with your thoughts and your imaginations, I feel like that's an area that can never be unsubmitted. It always has to be accountable to the Lord and to other people. Come on, and, and, to, and God's word. And so you gotta let the Holy Spirit kind of really uh, have a, a great influence in your life with your thoughts and your imaginations. We know this. And, and, uh, but let me just give you this key that if, if an intimate thought isn't about your spouse, you can't allow it in your head. Amen? If an intimate thought about, is not about your spouse, you can't allow it into your thoughts. And I want to encourage you, you've got to deal with damaging thoughts and desires as they come. You've got to deal with it. I know people that have said, well, you know, I felt this way for this other person for years, and I tried to fight it, and I tried to get victory over it, but I just couldn't fight it. No, you did not deal with it the way God's Word teaches you to deal with it. You didn't want to deal with it. A lot of people, they want to keep it rolling. They want to keep it alive. They want to keep it, they, they just feed that thought. They feed that imagination. They feed that desire. They feed that, come on, that fantasy. And, and the next thing you know, it takes on feelings. It takes on, next thing you know, the words, and then it becomes an action, right? That's why most affairs that are physical do start out emotional. And so we see that. And so deal with the damaging thoughts and desires right away. Again, this is, I'm just going through this quickly, but you could spend so much time on that and how important that is. But I want to encourage you that you need to give your struggles to the Lord. You need to give your temptations to the Lord. You've got to lay that down. You've got to really... Um, I never forget years ago, uh, I remember a musician, a Christian musician that I, I really liked and he was just really um, just instrumental in so many things in the Christian uh, world at that time and he was just a, a, a tremendous Christian uh, singer and it was great. But you know, all of a sudden he just came out and said, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm homosexual. I, I've tried to fight it. I've tried to deal with it. He needed a family. I mean, this was years. He said, oh, I, I battled this thing for years, and, and uh, this is who I really am. I tried to be a Christian artist, but this is who I really am. How many know if we really talked to the guy, really knew the truth, we'd find out that there was thoughts and imaginations he never let go of? There was things he, that he kept alive that he refused to bring to the foot of the cross. He said he did, but how many know if you bring something to the Lord and bring it to the foot of the cross and surrender it to him, how many know God deals with it his way and he completely annihilates that thing? 
See, when Jesus, we believe in healing, we believe in wholeness of body. Well, when God does something in our life, he does it completely. And so if there's a struggle in your life, if there's a a fault of temptation in your life and you bring it to the Lord, he's not going to just leave it and say, you know what, maybe you should try to figure this out on your own. No, he's going to deal with that thoroughly. He's going to heal it completely. How many believe that? He's going to deliver you thoroughly. Amen. He didn't just bring the children of Israel halfway into the Red Sea, partially into the wilderness. He delivered them fully. Why? Because that's the nature of God. When God does something in your life, he does it completely. Amen? But how many know you got to cooperate? And so you can keep taking that thing back. You can keep saying, Lord, I'll give it to you, but I don't want to give it to you. I'm going to handle this thing. No, I really want this thing. How many know you're not going to be completely free? Does that make sense? Amen. And so I believe that you should communicate your needs clearly to your partner. Just just create an atmosphere in your home to be able to communicate difficult things. Uh, maybe, maybe they're hard things that you need to say to each other, but you've got you've to communicate your needs clearly without nagging the other person. Amen. Meet the needs of, of your partner, especially emotional needs. Make sure. I know some guys are like, well, I'm just not an emotional guy. I just can't do that. Well, learn to be emotional. Aren't you glad that God is emotional? That he's gentle, that he's kind, that he's loving. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I love that about the Lord, but I'm a tough guy. Well, you can still be tough, and you can still be emotional at the same time. Amen. Right? So you've got to meet those needs. Why? Because if you don't meet those needs, somebody or something else will meet those needs. Right? Amen. So we want to encourage you to do that. I'm getting ready to close. But I want to encourage you to be intentional about doing your part. Don't, don't, don't try to uh, change the other person and make them do their part and force them into doing their part and keeping score on this is your part and you didn't do it today and I need you to do your part. No, you need to get intentional about your part. Amen? Just focus on your, your part of the relationship. Don't wait until trouble happens. Don't wait until there's serious problems in your marriage. Deal with those things immediately. Deal with those things right away. Amen. And do it together. Amen. Build trust. Do things purposely that will build trust. If that means giving your spouse every password. If that means getting a, 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 you know, a, an app that records where you are. That's okay. Build trust in your relationship. How many have those apps? Anybody? Do you ever do that? Okay. How many do that? Where, no, it's so good today. You have online banking. I mean, you can see, you know, real time what's being spent. And so sometimes you'll get a phone call. Why were you at Walmart and you bought something for 50 bucks? Um, you weren't supposed to see that. I'm taking it back right now. Walking right back in the store, right? Amen. But do those things to build trust, you know? Uh, people say, well, I don't, I don't you know, want anybody spying on me. I mean, I don't feel like my, my wife or husband, they need to know where every little thing I'm doing and every little business and everything, I'm, everybody I'm talking to. I mean, no, that's not a trust. There's a trust issue there. You've got to build trust, amen. Why? Because trust, this is what trust does in a relationship. It increases intimacy and gives you healthy independence. That's what trust. When you trust somebody, there's healthy independence. Okay, yeah, I believe you can go on a business trip and, you know, and spend, you know, this you know, time and you've got women working in your office and there's, I trust you. I believe that you love me. I believe, come on, right? There's that independence that you have and that trust. It's so good to have those things. And go to God's word. Just constantly go to God's word. How can I uh, be more patient? How can I do this, Lord? What does it say about resolving conflict? And, and how am I supposed to do this and meet the needs? And, and I believe it's in God's word. You know, people have complained many times about the Bible. Well, it's not in there. I can't find it. 
But how many know, if you really have a heart and you really understand how to read the Bible, you'll find it in here. So go to God's word about your problems, about your struggles, but go to God's word about how to get things better, how to make things better. So many times we want to run to God because we're in trouble, because we, we oh, I need to learn how to be a better person. I got to correct this situation. How many know, you just need to go to God's word. How can I make my promise more passionate? Amen. Amen. And so I believe that the last thing I want to just share with you, and that is really just to stay passionate about your promise. Stay passionate about that vow that you took years ago, the words that you spoke. If you're a married couple, you know, you should just say, well, you know, we've been together and I don't think we need to really work on things. I mean, some of you guys have been married so long, you probably worked on every ounce of trouble that you've ever had in your life. Every problem that you've ever had and that's wrong with you has been dealt with. You ever know, you feel that way? It's just like, okay, we've talked about this, we don't, but how many know there's more in God? And as we kind of really work together and walk together and and even if you have say we've been together we we great communicators we got every I mean we've done through all the marriage things I mean we just we just love our marriage and we're great how many know you've got to pass that down you can't just live for yourself you've got to influence other people Maybe there's people in your neighborhood. Maybe there's people that your neighbors, your friends, your family. Maybe you just need to take other people under your wing, young couples, and just mentor them and love on them. Bring them into your home and show them what commitment looks like. Show them what faithfulness looks like and loyalty. And, and show them what passion after 40 years looks like. Amen? How many know you need to be an influencer? Amen. So not only is it important to teach your children the word of God, but show them the commitment that you have. Show them this passion that you have about the promise you made years ago. Amen? Can we stand on our feet today? I don't know about you, I, I love to um, pray for all the married couples and families, kids and teenagers, because it's part of God's covenant. I mean, you know, God, marriage is part of God's plan, aren't you? It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to keep you busy until I get back. Hey, I, I see that you got some temptations, Adam. I'm going to fix that so you don't sin. I mean, you know, it's so much more than that, obviously. And it's this covenant that we have with God. It's this covenant that we have. It gets better and better and better. How many, you know, there's an old song that said, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. How many of you remember that song, right? Real oldie, right? Pulled that one out, right? But that's the way it is with marriage and should get sweeter and sweeter and better and better and, 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 and more passionate in the sense that there's just that commitment to one another and you're working on it and you're doing things that just make it more, more be better and sweeter every day. And so that's my challenge to myself, but also to you today is is I don't know how long you've been married, I don't know where you're at in your relationship, but I want you to focus on the passion in the promise that you made. And say, I want to get better at this thing. What can I do this week to be better? Amen. Some of you, it means doing that project, that 20-year project that hangs on that list, or whatever it is, and how can I do that to get better? Father, we just thank you for your word. I thank you for your great design for us. Lord, you made male and female, and you made us different, you made us separate, but yet in the marriage you brought us together as one. And Lord, I thank you that there is great power and commitment. There is great blessing 
in faithfulness and loyalty to one another, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Lord, there's, and, and that unity is in our house, Lord. It just trickles right down to our kids and our grandkids and, and our neighbors and those that don't know the Lord. Lord, it impacts them and affects them. And we may not think it's really that much, but Lord, it, it makes a difference. And so, Lord, we want to say today that we want to be a little bit more intentional about our promise that we've made to our spouse. We want to be more passionate in that promise. And and, and whatever we need to do, Lord, you can speak to us uh, and I can give great ideas. But Lord, whatever we've got to do to do that so that we can have a strong marriage, that nothing will come between us, that nobody will break us under, that nothing, not, not culture, not the devil, there's nothing that's going to separate this union, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, we're not just hanging on. We're not just barely making it. We're not just that couple with a pitchfork. But Lord, we're thriving in this commitment today. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and glory. Amen.